Hello, and welcome to Bad Axe Podcast. I'm your host, Danielle Blinka, and this is our co-host. Hey, I'm Aaron. We are doing a pretty big case today, so I really worked hard to find up-to-date details to make our coverage as deep as possible. This case has influenced pop culture in a couple of ways and changed how a lot of people looked at the music industry. We're going to be talking about the murder of California teenager Elise Poller back in the 1990s. You've probably heard about her case in one way or another, even if you aren't familiar with it. It's a rare case that involves an actual satanic ritual sacrifice. Oh, wow. Man, that's crazy. I know we've done some kind of like satanic ritual-esque things on this show before, so I'm really excited to see what this one is like. Let's dive right in. It's summer 1995 in Arroyo Grande, a slightly rural city in San Luis Obispo County, California. It's a scenic city with a historic downtown area and a varied environment. 15-year-old Elise Poller was on summer break from Arroyo Grande High School. A photo of Elise shows her wearing the typical style of the 90s, a knit hat and relaxed floral print dress. Like a lot of teens, Elise was exploring all life has to offer. Her blonde hair and blue eyes drew attention, but it wasn't always the right kind. Although she was only 15, Elise had experimented with drugs and alcohol, but her parents say overall she was a pretty good kid. The oldest of four siblings, Elise loved spending time with her friends and family. Additionally, she was a gifted artist who also played soccer. She even designed and sewed her own dresses. According to her parents, she enjoyed attending church and was devoted to her faith. At the same time, Elise craved adventure and didn't fear the world outside her door as much as she probably should have. On the night of July 22, 1995, Elise received a phone call inviting her to join a couple of friends to hang out and smoke pot. It was a hot summer night with no responsibilities, so she immediately agreed to go. The teen boys she planned to meet were members of a local death metal band called Hatred. Oh boy, that's not a good sign. Yeah, they went very hard with this name, just right out of the gate. Yeah, just real hard. 14-year-old Joseph Fiorella, 16-year-old Jacob Delushmut, and 16-year-old Royce Casey were obsessed with the band Slayer and modeled themselves off these personal heroes. For those of you who don't know, death metal is a subgenre of heavy metal that features lyrics about darker themes, including things like torture, murder, necrophilia, and the occult. These teens base their lives around lyrics about Satanism and sacrificing virgins to the devil, and they took these lyrics seriously. Joseph Fiorella took his beliefs so seriously that he even bought books on Satanism to share with his friends. As their obsession grew, the trio's interpretation of Slayer's body of work and how it related to their ideas of Satanism began to shape their entire view of the world. Man, that, that's really sad, you know, because, I mean, obviously mu- music has the power to, to influence people in a lot of ways, but you, know, you really hate to see to see that, you know, influence somebody in you know in, in mm-hmm. this kind of violent way and you know because i mean obviously there's nothing wrong with you know the music of slayer it's just you, you know like how some people choose to although have to you listened it. to the music of slayer i think i've heard a slayer song once a long time ago Maybe. It's, it's not my specific style i mean like yeah i've listened to i've listened to kinds of music that other people have you know said similar things about i know i've told you this story where dad had gone through my cd collection and found you know, like some metallica records and was you know, very upset about this because he's like, you know, this is like angry music and it's going to destroy your personality. That's not what he said, but I mean, you know, he, he was upset. Are you paraphrasing? I'm, I'm paraphrasing, yes. But he was upset about mm-hmm. that. And then obviously, I, you know, obviously I turned out fine. I'm not a, you know, I'm not a murderer. So I like, got a lot of people I think can enjoy darker music without necessarily turning into satanic people. Yeah, I mean, I definitely can see that. I am not here to hate on Slayer's music, and I don't think that in any way are they at fault for this. I think that what they're making is considered art. 
And definitely I have encountered parents hating music choices that I have. My dad has a lot of concrete views on <laughs> songs that I like. My favorite one is not the most uh, the most angry he's been at my song choices, but I've talked a lot about It's Getting Hot in Here. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. love that song. It's just called Hot and Hair, right? And that's what it's called officially. <laughs> I love that song so much. And when I was younger... I was telling my dad, like, after I had heard it, I was like, wow, this song is the coolest song ever. Whoever wrote this is so smart. And then he's like, yeah, the devil wrote it because it makes everyone take their clothes off. Okay, anyway, that was, um, so anybody can blame Satan for whatever, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you want to see, if you want to see the devil, it's right there. I think also, I just want to pause to say that. Technically, depending on what you're doing with regard to, like, Satanism, it's not all sacrifices and versions. Um, As we've mentioned previously, there's regular (laughs) hedonistic Satanism where, like, no one's trying to sacrifice anything to anything. So um, that's not the direction they went in. (laughs) Yes, indeed. And I I have to say, like, part of me came here... I'm wanting to defend Slayer, but I also don't listen to Slayer. And reading some of the lyrics that people had a problem with, I realized that I didn't I didn't fully understand that the problem people have with Slayer is not so much that they're like stabby stab, outlaw, murder time, is that they're literally like, I'm trying to fuck this dead body <laughs> and like <laughs> I killed it to get it there. Like that's like literally what the songs are. Not all of them, I'm sure, but it's just <laughs> Vivid descriptions of, yes, I am having sex with this dead body. This is my pure wonderfulness. Hold on, what? <laughs> Why are you doing that, Slayer? Like, I don't understand. And yeah. so apparently that's their persona that they do. They don't actually go do that. Yeah. And so as an artist, my mom, yeah, of course, we should support artists. But maybe, maybe we need to talk to people. <laughs> And make sure they know, like, just because, like, the art is saying to have sex with dead bodies, that doesn't mean you should do it. Like, that's not, please don't. (laughs) Yes, please don't do Uh, it. So that's where we're starting from there, as though we have these lyrics about sacrificing people and blood and having sex with dead bodies. These are the songs that these kids are playing on repeat. And they're creating their own version of that with their band Hatred. And everything they're starting to interpret in the world is through this lens of we're these dark Satanist people who sacrifice and blood and we have sex with dead bodies. Right, yeah. Obviously problematic. Very problematic. Um, So despite, though, their walk on the dark side, the trio probably didn't seem that different from the other teens around town. I mean, they're 14, 15, and 16 years old at the time of the murder, and... A lot of the teens in that area are doing drugs. It's not uncommon for them to be doing that. They are kind of coming off that post-grunge era, you know, like it's ending sort of because Kurt Cobain is deceased at this point. And, but still, it's like there's a heaviness to the music scene anyway, even in like mainstream music. And it, it just translates into how people dress and how people act. And I think that seeing these teens would not be that different than seeing like, some emo kids or some goth kids. Like, it's just part of, you know, being a teen. And then some people, it's like part of life for them. Um, I'm a little bit, a little bit gothy sometimes. Just a tiny bit of a goth girl still after all this time of maturing. Uh, I think it's normal to have some teens evoking that type of uh, vibe. And so it probably wouldn't be that alarming to other teens for them to be talking about dark things. Yeah, that makes sense. Dark things. Dark things. Yes. After all, we all know the hellish years of adolescence are very real. So it makes sense to have, you know, your dark angel vibes yes, to yeah. go through that. They're talking about dark things, almost kind of like bad, bad acts. Oh, nice. I love yes. that. Yes. Very good. In addition to these teens probably seeming like regular everyday teens to her, uh, this was not the first time that Elise was going to be hanging out with two of the three boys. 14-year-old Joseph and 16-year-old Jacob met Elise while riding the school bus together to Arroyo Grande High School at some point in the past because at the time of the incident, it had been a while since they'd been on the same campus as Elise. It seems both of these boys were just lost. In September 1994, Jacob had been expelled from Arroyo Grande High School 
And that February 1995, Fiorella also left school, claiming he was going to do homeschooling. But in reality, he just wasn't allowed to attend his public school anymore. Ah. It doesn't say what he did, but he was only 14, so getting kicked out is kind of a big deal. Yeah, absolutely. Um, when it comes to Jacob, he had actually been manufacturing drugs, allegedly, and had been swearing at his teachers. So that's wow. how he got kicked out. Yep, that makes sense. But at the same time, Arroyo Grande is a smaller city, so the teens didn't really lose touch even though the boys were no longer at school. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, in fact, Elise had had a chilling experience while hanging out with the boys earlier that year. Joseph and Jacob had invited Elise to hang out with them in the Mesa in nearby Napomo, California. They brought along a friend referred to in reports as Williams. Which, every time I see this, I can't mm-hmm. help but think I about exactly the Williams yeah. from 90 Day uh-huh. Fiance, which is not yeah. the time to talk about that. Yeah. I knew exactly Every single time I'm that. like, the yeah. Williams is here? Oh my goodness. The boys brought Elise over to a steep ravine with a dangerous drop-off. There, Williams slid to the bottom, feigning a fall. He called out to Elise to come down to help him. Once she reached the bottom of the ravine... Joseph threw Williams a hunting knife. He stood there facing Elise, but didn't move. Jacob and Joseph started chanting, Do it! Do it! Do it! But Williams couldn't. He just brushed it off like it was all a joke. Elise went home that day and chalked it up to boys being boys. That's a mistake. That is a huge mistake. Yeah, nope. That's that's a big old nope from me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, anytime you think to yourself the statement... Boys being boys. Uh, it's probably a crime. Yeah, that, that's a red flag. Like, boys being boys is just somebody's excuse for boys being assholes and doing the wrong thing. Definitely. It's yep. not clear why she didn't tell anyone what happened. Uh, we will find out how authorities learned about this later. Uh, but it's not from Elise telling anyone. Perhaps she just didn't realize that her friends meant to harm her. Or maybe she thought they were just playing around and wanted to seem like one of the guys. There is a lot of pressure to not be sensitive or not respond negatively to teasing. Because when you do, even if it's the same as what guys, how guys act towards each other, everyone acts like it's because you're a girl and that you're not cool. Um, which is bullshit and not feministic. That is bullshit. But it is like, it's hard. It's hard out there. Oh. And so I wonder if that could be part of it. Is just that mentality of you don't want to be the girl being like, stop it, because then they're going to be rude to you. It's going to get worse, and you might not be invited to whatever party it is next time. Right, yeah. Although, to be fair, she probably would have been alive. And not had she not been invited had, to the next Had she not party. been invited to the next party. Whatever her reasons, she clearly didn't let it stop her from seeing the bandmates again. Which brings us to July 22nd. Elise agreed to meet up with her old high school classmates and a friend of theirs she'd never met. Instead of Williams, they wanted to bring 16-year-old Royce Casey. Elise didn't really know him because he went to an alternative high school, having been expelled from public school. But she trusted him because she had faith in her friends. After telling her parents she went to bed, Elise snuck out of her family home to meet up with the boys for a summer night of teen rebellion. The guys promised her drugs and a good time, but they really had dark desires they hoped to fulfill. Elise trekked less than a mile to the meeting spot at the edge of Napomo Mesa. Fun fact, the Napomo Mesa is where photographer Dorothea Lang took the famous Depression-era photo called Migrant Mother, which features a distressed mother with some of her children leaning against her. And I guarantee that the vast majority of our listeners have seen this photo because it's super famous. Once at the Mesa, the teens went into a eucalyptus grove to hang out. Essentially, the grove was a crop of trees that provided a bit of privacy from prying eyes. There, one of the boys pulled out marijuana. The teens smoked together, laughing and relaxing as they all got high. Elise probably focused on the sound of the wind between the leaves or the starlight filtering through the branches She had no way of knowing that her friends were the worst enemies she could ever imagine. As the teens smoked their weed, Jacob silently removed his belt from his waist. Creeping up to Elise, he wrapped the belt around her neck and pulled it tight. 
As Jacob strangled her, Elise fought for her life. As she fought, Royce Casey grabbed onto her, holding her down. It was then that Joseph Fiorella pulled out a large hunting knife. He plunged the blade into Elise's neck, then handed the knife to Jacob, who followed suit. Royce took the knife next and thrust the blade into Elise's neck. As the boys attacked her, Elise cried out for her mother. She begged for help. She even prayed for God to save her, but the attack just wouldn't end. In total, the boys stabbed her 12 times. None of the wounds were fatal, so Elise bled out slowly. As her life trickled away, the boys became impatient and began stomping on her neck to kill her faster. It only added to Elise's torment. Eventually, the light faded from her eyes and she ceased breathing. Fifteen-year-old Elise was dead. Once they knew she was gone, the boys took turns having sex with her corpse. When they were finished, they left Elise's half-naked body laying in the eucalyptus grove under a pentagram. That is... Bloody FM presents Hometown Ghost Stories, a paranormal podcast that investigates a new town every week, bringing you all the hauntings, from haunted houses to castles, bridges to asylums, wandering spirits to demons. Over 100 episodes covering different towns all over the world. Tune in to Hometown Ghost Stories live on YouTube every Tuesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern or on any podcast platform and find out if your hometown is haunted. Gruesome. What the hell? That's so awful. I mean, how do you do that to another person, you know? I think that's one of the things that makes this case such a big case, though, is just the level of depravity that we see and the reasoning behind it. Because one thing that stuck out to me was they they have, they rape the body at the end. And obviously, raping a dead body is just what the fuck, right? Especially for three teens to all engage in it. It's like one person having that desire to have sex with dead people is already kind of like, what the fuck enough? But having three... Yeah, um, totally. Initially, I thought it was because if they are trying to sacrifice her as like a virginal sacrifice, they can't rape her before she dies because then she's not a virgin anymore. But if they wait till she's dead and then they rape her, then she's not. Then it doesn't matter. It's like already done, which is just horrible. But like, that's yeah. what I thought the reasoning was. But having read some of the lyrics, which we'll explore um, a few that came up a lot in my research Having having seen the specific lyrics about having sex with dead bodies, it makes me wonder if that's why they did it. Not so much just the sacrifice part or like the reasoning of like, hey, we have to wait to violate her until after she's dead. But more so because like they thought that in the world of like of Slayer and their minds, waiting until she was dead was like the right choice. Right. Yeah. I, uh, that, I see where you're going with that. I mean, that. Like, your your reasoning makes sense. Like, their reasoning makes no sense. But mm-hmm. what you're saying makes a lot of sense. Later on, there is going... There was some debate over whether or not the sex happened. Um, but the reason why the police are relatively sure that it happened is because all three of the boys had confessed to one or more people about it. And Fiorella, the youngest boy, actually admitted to his mother that his friends had sex with her corpse, but didn't admit to doing it himself but he was the one who targeted Elise and reportedly was obsessed with her. So it's unlikely that he just watched them do it. Also, all three of the team boys had bragged to one person or another about it. And also, Jacob in particular told friends that he returned to Elise's body to rape it several more times. Uh-huh. So, like, it lay there for a while and they would go back and visit it. Man, that is so messed up. Why mm-hmm. would they do that? Because something is wrong with them, Aaron. <laughs> yeah, clearly. I mean... <laughs> I mean, they don't have anything yes. that's been diagnosed as wrong with them, but I feel like we can agree I mean, that lots of people... Because the part that stands out to me about about the whole Slayer situation, the part that stands out to me about the whole Slayer situation is that there is a lot of different media and also just true crime stories and stuff that is gruesome or is horrible, like horror movies presenting murders and, you know, the whole, like, 
criminal mind series of like murder and raping and dastardly deeds. All of this is out there, but most people do not watch it and be like, oh, hey, this is a beautiful world of disorder that I want to be a part of. Like the art itself is not telling people or teaching people how to do these things. There are people who have this innate quality that makes them desire it. Yeah. And that, and they seek it out. This story is compelling to me. And I was horrified, but also wanting to learn what the hell happened here. But not because I'm, oh, this is a blueprint for how to base my life on it. But more because I want to understand what the hell happened here. And I think that it's not, it's too simplistic to say that Slayer had any kind of role to me. That's my opinion. Yeah, no, I I agree. I I don't think, I don't think, you know, there's anything with with Slayer. I think it's everything about Mm -hmm. how they took the you know what slayer was putting out there and then how they interpreted that yeah because you know? I mean, music is, is a lens for all of us but whether or not you mm-hmm. take take that as a you know and whether or not that comes out from you as a good thing or a bad thing you know is, is really up to you yeah i mean and that's it's just really unfortunate that that in this case turned into something so ugly exactly i i this is kind of off topic with music but the song, um, Whatever You Like, <laughs> I love that song so much. And it makes me feel so empowered whenever I sing it because I, I pretend I'm the sugar daddy in it. Like, I'm the man. Okay, I'm oversharing. So I am bisexual. So, like, I'm into ladies. Surprise. And <laughs> so, like, in my mind, like, when I listen to that song, even though I know it's about how, like, sugar daddies lie to the girls and they're like you can have whatever you like or whatever but in my mind like i'm the the sugar daddy with like the money and i've got like the ladies and i'm like yeah babe you can have like top shelf tonight like that's how but i don't go out and do that (laughs) my point like it's like you can listen to this song (laughs) i'm gonna be in it this is my life people i'm opening up right now (laughs) i'm just really enjoying the mental image i'm sorry it's yeah, I'm like, like I'm throwing the dollars at them. We're gonna have all expensive alcohol together. They are very sexy ladies. <laughs> also, I'm not objectifying them. I'm respecting them and empowering them as a fellow woman. <laughs> There's a lot happening for me right now, so we're gonna move on. <laughs> um, so as I mentioned about the case a couple seconds ago before we got awfully derailed by my fantasies. <laughs> The teens did tell friends about what happened. So the friend that Jacob confessed that he had had sex with his corpse with, which is not funny. So like cold, ice cold moment. Um, Ice cold plunge, I should say. This friend was not the only person that the teens told about their dark deeds. They actually confided in a couple of friends, but none of them believed the stories. It's not clear if the friends just didn't know Elise was missing, which seems extremely difficult because it's a smallish city and there were a lot of people looking for her. Or if they just thought it was a coincidence that she had gone and now the boys were claiming responsibility. Um, It's not clear what their reasons were here, Uh, but none of the friends went to police with this story. The thing that really stood out to me is that there are a couple of times when these these teenage boys get away with things because just no one is taking any of this seriously. Like they try to kill Elise and then she doesn't think it's real. And then they tell everyone that this missing girl has been murdered by them. And one of them even admits that he's going out there and having sex with her dead body. And all their friends are like, yeah, funny story, man. Yeah. I mean, at some point you need to take it seriously and then like, Mm -hmm. you know, report it or, or, you know, call somebody. But at the same time, like, if one of my friends came up to me and told me a story like that, at first I would be like, <laughs> hey, nice story, man, because mm-hmm. it just makes you uncomfortable and you don't want to believe yeah. that. But at some point, you have to... You have, you to. have to tell. Yeah. You, you I understand to, not yeah. telling them you're going to tell because they're murderers, but, like, <laughs> you should... I think yes. part of it has to be that I know these three teens were very into drugs. And maybe the other kids they hung out with were also on drugs and they were like, I can't go tell the cops because I'm high. Because, I mean, if you were high, it would be really hard to go tell the cops about the crime that happened. Sure, yeah. That makes sense. So that's my theory. Yeah. After the murder, Elisa's body lay in the eucalyptus grove in the Napomo Mesa where the teens killed her. She stayed there for eight months. What? Mm-hmm. 
Holy shit. They just left her out there, just laying underneath this tree. Like, nobody found her for eight months? No. Um, When Elise's parents reported her missing, the police refused to consider foul play. Um, We have some unsolved mysteries level cops here. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. If you recall, she had done drugs at some point and was a young teen. So, of course, she just ran away. Of course. A wayward youth off into the drug ether. Oh, Jesus. Exactly. That's what the police thought. They did not even try to find her. That's such a terrible theory. But her parents knew differently because they knew her well enough to know this was not how she was. I feel like it's too simplistic just to say that she did drugs because the everything that you learn about her life is that she was your normal aspirational teen. Like she had hobbies. She played soccer. She made art. She went to church with her family. She like loved her siblings. She was just a normal kid who happened to occasionally encounter drugs. I mean, as a teenager, I did not do drugs, but I knew people who did that were like regular, average, everyday teens yeah. that were not trying to run off into into nowhere land. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's mm-hmm. something that happens, you know? And I think that we have to get off of this whole idea that if someone drinks when they are too young or dabbles in something, that they're automatically just like, let's write them off. Check, check, check. Bye-bye. Right, exactly. I mean, they couldn't have saved her because she was already deceased at this point. But it's just gross that they had to wait this long to find out what happened to their child. Yeah, totally. During the eight months she was missing, family and friends scoured the area looking for Elise. They had no idea that she was only about a half a mile away from home in that tree grove. Jesus, she was that close? Mm -hmm. That sucks. Yeah. Ironically, it's possible that if they had a widespread search with police help, maybe they could have found her in that tree grove. Except they had unsolved mysteries, cops. Yes. Yep. For the first few months after the crime, the teens continued to play their music, buoyed by this murder. Right? Now they're living the real death metal lifestyle in their own messed up heads. Right. But something is about to happen that changes the course of all of this. Okay. Because over the course of the eight months after Elise's murder, Royce Casey underwent some changes. He began re-examining his faith and says he committed his life to Christianity. Oh, God. Now, I wish this weren't like a good versus evil thing that was happening here. But he starts going to church and decides he's into Jesus now. Um, As he's changing his beliefs, he began to distance himself from Joseph Fiorella and Jacob Delishman. Casey became worried at this point that his friends would kill again because they had mentioned the possibility of other victims. Worse, he feared that he would be their target since he begun trying to pull away from them. Yeah, I mean, I can see that, that mm-hmm. concern, yeah. He started fixating on a particular Slayer lyric because remember, they're obsessed with Slayer. Right. The lyric says, quote, if you're not with us, you may no longer exist, unquote. Wow, okay. So this quote is replaying in his head, and he's starting to think, they are 100% going to kill me next. Right. Because, again, their whole world is based on Slayer. Yep. Such a weird, like, doctrine to, like, base a whole world on. Of, like, this is our canon. Really? Yeah, for sure. There's, like, so many things you could pick. Maybe not this. Like, even Slayer's like, what? I know, Like, that is not why he made this. I know, right? (laughs) They're like, you're doing it wrong. So at this point, Casey needs to speak up because he wants to not die. So he goes to the pastor at his new church and tells them everything that happened. Meanwhile, can you imagine being this poor pastor? Yeah. Like, they did not sign up for this shit. Yeah, that's a hell of a day. I know, because not only, first of all, you know this teen has committed a terrible murder and you're like fuck how do i get out of this shit (laughs) like i feel like at that point i'm start rambling about god right yeah like i think god just spoke to me and said i need to go in the other room and lock my door like it's like i gotta go talk to jesus for a while yeah like actually i feel like everything's gonna work out um and you're gonna be fine but i need to go talk to god in private like this is how it always goes um i'm gonna be in there you're gonna be not in here right like maybe you should leave yeah it's like 
can you hold please like i've got yeah. i've got jesus on the other line i've, I've yeah. really got to take this you know you don't want to keep exactly. the big man waiting i and, feel like you know. god wants us to go to the police station i don't know why <laughs> he's saying that so clearly in my mind uh, <laughs> for, no, for no reason. It's not about yeah. jail. <laughs> it's not anything to do with jail. Not jail. So the pastor who had to have been trying not to poop their pants, um, I'm imagining. That's my opinion I'm on the situation. My reaction is definitely trying not to poop my pants. Um, takes him to the police and he makes another full confession to authorities that same day. On March 14th, 1996, Royce Casey walked police out onto the Mesa and showed them Elise's body under that eucalyptus tree with the pentagram. He explained that the bandmates spent about a month planning Elise's murder before the actual attack. And he told them that the teens murdered Elise for a bizarre reason that I'm sure you have figured out by now. They believed that killing her would be their, quote, Ticket to hell, unquote. They hoped that sacrificing her would get Satan to help them with their band. Jesus. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How are you going to kill somebody to further your, your rock career? I mean, even if you're like, yep. even if you're in La La Land enough to believe that that was mm-hmm. possible, like, what kind of person does something like that? Uh, uh, we've established messed up people. Yes, messed up people. And the but, part I mean, that also stands out to me is like, how many bands actually murder someone to get famous like that's not a thing like i just the part that trips me up is how do you get to the thought process that this is the method to success like well i mean i don't know of any successful bands that have done that so exactly based on past experience i mean i guess if you're doing specifically i'm imagining like the backstreet boys holding like a ritual <laughs> Which is absurd. It's crazy. Like it would not happen. No. And so Although now I'm thinking about that parody song or where... Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> I'll kill you that way. Everyone go look that up. It's hilarious. But yes, no. Indeed. Although this is ruining it now because I'm like thinking of this actual horrible murder. No, it's like crazy. And just the fact too that like I feel like a lot of these people that are becoming obsessed with like having Satan as a boyfriend and like getting tickets to hell, like missed the part where like, did you not read about hell first? Like, obviously we've established on this podcast that I do not believe in hell and I have like different religious beliefs. But like, if you believe in like your heaven and hell dichotomy here, like hell is supposed to be bad, like right? Like yeah. the last time I checked, that was the like the undesirable place to go. That's why the church threatens you with it. If it were like a really great place, then they wouldn't use it as a threat. Yeah, that's that's how that works. In general, that has been my experience. And so I'm trying to figure out like how like why are you trying to get to the hell? Like I mean, maybe I could understand if like the thought process was that you did the sacrifice so you could get Satan's help without going to hell. Yeah. That I mean, still wrong and also what the fuck? But, like, that logic would at least make sense in the context yeah. of, like, hellscapes, right? right? Yeah, the logic at least tracks, yeah. Totally. As we've previously established in our first episode, there are no safe words in hell. There are no so safe words. So you should probably not aspire to, like, go there. Nope. In theory. Like, although, again, there's not a there. But if there were one, like, if you believed in hell, like, maybe don't... Yeah, no, totally don't. Try to go there? Like, I don't... Yeah, that that would be the, I'm just the advisable course. Yeah, I'm confused about this this like plan. Yep. I, you have like a really great rock career where you scream about having sex with dead bodies, and then you you go you burn for all eternity. Is that like the plan? Like I'm just trying to figure this out. Nope. Is it like is it like Dante's Inferno hell? And there's like a like a different level of it where it's like maybe the fun level. I don't know. <laughs> the fun level there's not one yeah. in theory but maybe it's... you like that like maybe maybe like you are are getting off on parts of it like maybe yeah. your dream is to be like glued to something or like have your <laughs> balls cut off forever i don't know like people like that yeah. that we did the one case I don't, right I don't remember. there was some ball anyway maybe that's what he wanted maybe they wanted to do that and that's part of the hell they wanted yeah I'm getting interested in this whole levels business because I'm wondering if it's like there's a level of burning and there's like a level of torture. And then there's have like, you not read Dante's Inferno? That's what like I have I have not like understand. That's what hell's under- sort of based off. I understand of that there's nine levels of if hell. You like are a literature but person. Like, what, what I'm getting to is like it's a layer where there's like 
terrible thing, terrible thing. Ooh, really yeah. fun time with like a carnival oh, and a like caravan. Oh, like a fun, like a secret yes. fun layer of hell. Like, yeah, because you're like the fun layer of hell. And yeah. Like, now I'm imagining. Maybe you know, like, that's, maybe we missed that part. Right. Is where it's like. Yeah, exactly. The first half bad. Then like level number five, that's like the middle part. Maybe yeah, that part's fun. fun, and then it's awful, and then again really bad. Yeah. And if you are like evil as a person, you get to yeah. go to fun hell. Fun hell, yes, exactly. And yeah. like Dante left that part out because it wasn't as dramatic. Yeah, it wasn't it, it, part it, of it. It didn't fit his narrative. Maybe so, but it's really there. But they know about that. They're yeah. learning about this from Slayer, and yeah. then it, now they go to the good hell, right. and then exactly all right yeah. it's the dirty little secret that they don't want you to, to know about it's like the little yeah it's like the breather for evil you know it's like you've, you've uh-huh. motored the people these... who like perpetuate the evil they right. get rewarded in <laughs> yeah. the hell okay right, yeah. maybe that's how it works people we don't know because we're not we're not planning yes. we don't neither one of us spoilers believes that hell exists that's and if right. you do we don't judge you because like I believe that there are ghosts that yeah. can control people. So, yeah. like, I, I can't be given advice. Yeah. Look, believe what whatever makes sense to you. Except for, unless as, it's this. Yes, unless Please it hurts some, do not yes. kill people. Unless it hurts somebody else. Would be good. Believe whatever you like. Yeah. Whatever brings you joy. Exactly. I mean, but, I guess if you really right. want to burn forever. I mean, maybe people like that. I don't yeah. know. Maybe well, it's like a, a, a thing where, like, the pain, you get off on it. I don't know. Yeah. But maybe don't murder anybody on your way there. Just, yeah, just, just regular. You can probably just ask to go. Like, it seems like a thing where, like, yeah. nobody really, nobody else is trying to get there. So, like, if you're like, hey, no, like, I will go there so someone can have my spot. I I really think they would let you without having yeah. to murder. You know, like, St. Peter shows up and you're like, he's like, here's the way to heaven. And you're like, no, you're like, no. no. Oh, I'd like to go the other one. Yeah, like, he's I like, want to go, like, the. I really yeah, have a fetish. Yeah. Like, He's like, which way is hell? Yeah, I just, <laughs> like, want to be stung by bees forever. Like, that's part of what makes me happy. <laughs> Please don't sting me with bees. Okay, let's move on. All right. So, according to Royce Casey, they called themselves Satan's children. Um, Satan did not confirm or deny whether or not they were his children. I'm going to go with Satan no. Satan cannot be reached for comments. Yeah, I'm going to say that Satan is it was like, I don't, that's not any of the stuff that I said, but okay. Yeah, even, even Satan's <laughs> like, that's fucked up. I'm not, yeah, I'm I'm not, not getting involved in that. Yeah. <laughs> the teens say they chose Elise because they thought her blonde hair, blue eyes, and virginity made her a good offering to the Dark Lord. They thought she was the most appalling victim possible which means that Satan will like it more. Now, this was, like, weird for me because I talked to Aaron about this, that I wasn't unsure why you would think that, why sacrificing virgins is so desirable. If you're, like, a virgin who loves Jesus and we're in a traditional Judeo-Christian setup where, like, Satan's like, yes, bring me the sacrifices, how is that person going to help him? Like, wouldn't that person just... I understand you think people think they can trap souls sometimes, but I don't think that's how that works at all. So, like, wouldn't that sacrifice kind of be a waste? I mean, mm-hmm. but if you murdered a serial killer, Satan would get that soul, right? That's yeah. how I was thinking about it. But I feel like maybe it's just that you take the good thing out of the world and that's how it works. Yeah, I genuinely don't know how that works at all. I, I know. I feel like I need a chart that explains the the logic of this. <laughs> you know, like an actual, like chart that's like all right here's a flow chart of the logic the fucked up logic that gets us here because then i started thinking (laughs) that if you're looking for the most appalling sacrifice the like 15 year old virginal girl actually doesn't make as much sense as like and this is terrible and gross to say like a baby which you shouldn't do and that's awful and terrible please never do that that but that like make that's more appalling like it feels like they really chose her because of you know teenage boy desires Mm -hmm. and that was part of it which makes it i don't even know i can't even decide which is worse yeah i I have started i hear the text is creeping in and i need to (laughs) tamp it down (laughs) and we're back (laughs) so they picked her because she's supposed to be a good sacrifice per the lore that is the band slayer um who again have repeatedly stated that at no point did they intend for this to happen They believed that her death would make them play guitar better, specifically. Okay, I know. Apparently, Royce Casey played guitar for the band, but the other two dudes were doing it, too. They were playing something. Yeah. So, Mm -hmm. apparently, uh, murder is better than practice. Yeah, you should practice. As it turns out, you definitely 100% should just focus on the practicing. Practice is much better. Legit. Practice. So, after this 
quote-unquote sacrifice, they believed that they would have the right amount of quote-unquote craziness, that's what they said, craziness, to play the guitar fast. And with Satan's help, they could become famous. Oh, jeez. Or so they thought. Or so they thought. Well, they did become famous. Not for music. Not for music. Not for music. Also, whatever happened to you going and making the deal yourself at, at like, the crossroads? You know, you go to the crossroads, you bring your guitar, the devil meets you. Traditional rock star lore, <laughs> right? That's, like, part of it. Yes. I'm not wrong. Whatever not. happened to that shit? Like, why does this sacrifice stuff have to be part of it? Good question. During his confession... Royce told police about the first attempt at killing Elise. That is how they found out about it. Although he had not been involved, his friends told him what had happened, including the failure of this teen named Williams. It appears that they just sort of like switched out Williams and put in Royce Casey. But that also begs the question, where the fuck was Williams on this shit? Because if you're Williams, you have to know... That they did it, right? Yeah, you they, get, tip somebody off, you know? It's literally the same teen they try to get you to help them kill disappears. And they're all like, we murdered her. You have to know they're telling the truth, right? Yep. When the forensic pathologist examined Elise's body, they counted a total of 12 stab wounds, though none of them were fatal. If you recall, she did die from blood loss. And this is listed as being extra bad. Because if you think about it, that means that she like languished there for fucking ever while she was dying instead of just dying like really fast. Yeah, that's really, that's really so sad. In a 2016 interview with the San Diego Tribune, Royce Casey said while in prison, quote, I had hurt a lot of people when I came here, not just the victim, which suggests that he must have done some other bad things that we don't know about. Um, So there could be more things that the guys did. Yikes. Uh, Once this crime came to light, authorities arrested the three teens on the same day they found Elise's body, and Fiorella also confessed to the crime, according to reports. In fact, he was the first of the three teens to enter into a plea agreement with authorities. The teens all pleaded no contest to the charge of first-degree murder with special circumstances, torture, and rape. According to SFGate, Elise's grandmother, Elise Walter, said before the sentencing, We want this predatory monster to stay in prison for the rest of his life. There is a greater judge who will someday deal with him. Elise's family didn't agree with the plea deal, but accepted it because the teens couldn't get a stricter sentence at trial. Because of sentencing rules, this was the maximum they could get. And that was the judge handing them a sentence of 26 years to life in prison. They were sent to separate prison facilities to serve out their sentences. A few years after the sentencing, Joseph Fiorella and Jacob Delishamut claimed that the murder was totally unconnected to Slayer's music. It was never intended to be a satanic sacrifice. Delishamut even told the Washington Post that the real reason they killed Elise was because Fiorella was obsessed with her. However, authorities argued that Fiorella told his probation officer that Slayer inspired him to kill while he was waiting for sentencing. And this was unprovoked. So, like, he'd already made a confession. Both he and Royce Casey said that Slayer inspired the murder and that it was a sacrifice when they confessed to the crime. And then again, he mentioned it at sentencing, like, unprovoked for no reason. Also, keep in mind that they did have a pentagram at the scene of the crime, which police argue is an indication that they were trying to make this into some sort of ritual murder. Plus, they had all those, like, Satan books that they were passing around. So the authorities feel relatively confident that this was sort of a changed story to like kind of readapt the the narrative after it happened. After the killers went to jail, Elise Pollard's family, Lisanne and David Pollard, sued the band Slayer and several record labels. And this is how the case really blows up. Like it was already a pretty disgusting murder and gathered some attention for that reason. But the lawsuit became a humongous deal because it had the possibility that it would change the face of music and all the arts forever, depending on the outcome of this case. They claimed that the musicians inspired their daughter's murder and incited the teens to do these things because of the lyrics and how offensive they were. The Pollers had to wait until 1996 to file the case until the criminal cases were resolved. 
And the trial actually went on for five years, ending finally in 2001. Wow. Yes. In their suit, they sought financial damages for Elise's murder, but they also wanted to stop the music from being marketed to children. They even argued that the parental warnings were, like, inciting kids more to buy the album, which was kind of confusing. I get it, but it's still confusing because the record labels were trying to argue, like, hey, we're not directly targeting kids. And we even said, warning, parents, these albums contain really offensive lyrics. So what are we supposed to do kind of thing? Right. And yeah. they argued that the label saying parent advisory was actually making kids want it more. Which might be true, but at the same time, what are they supposed to do? Yeah, I mean, the advisory is for parents to do something about it, you know? Yeah. At some point, you got to parent your kids, y'all. I feel like most of the people who listen to Slayer have probably had a parent there to be like, that's sick, nobody does that. Yeah. I mean, you don't hear about a lot of other teens that did these things. Right, yeah. I mean, these are the only ones that mm-hmm. went out and killed somebody that, of yeah. all the people that have listened to Slayer over the years. I right? think it's the same so. thing as with, like, again, with movies or with video games. Mm-hmm. I mean, most people who play video games are fine. Mm-hmm. There are some people who learn the wrong lesson from them. Right. But you can't, I don't think you can judge art or, like, censor art based on, like, how you think someone's going to react to it in terms of, like, violence and gore like horror movies sometimes go way too far but yeah. <laughs> it's up to the consumer to like not do the murders <laughs> right yeah i mean you have to put it into your own context or you have to just avoid you know things that you don't like and if you're a, a mm-hmm. parent and, and you have kids i mean you have to have some involvement and in knowing what they're yeah. doing so that you can help them frame some of these things you know because like mm-hmm. if your kid doesn't have enough experience to understand or or has some kind of issue that that's going to warp their understanding yeah. of the lyrics of a song and take mm-hmm. turn that into a you know ritualistic murder you know yeah. you with the parent have to be like hey man mm-hmm. that's not what that means let's not kill yeah. people or, i also feel like mentors know? in society can help with that yeah, as well absolutely i really just think that it comes down to knowing how to tell a story i don't know if that makes sense i think it's unrealistic to live in a world where nothing like this happened or there's no dark stories i guess is what i'm trying to say sure like we've always had dark stories i mean look at all myths and fairy tales and stuff like there's always been darkness yeah Yeah, this is like the lightest it's ever been (laughs) if you really look hard it's like this is like the epitome of not being super gross so um i guess there's that this this particular crime disgusting but in general less disgusting than like Olden times. Yeah. I mean, the Mayans used to do virgin sacrifices like all, all the, the time. time. You know, this was commonplace. Although I feel like we picked on the Mayans and the Aztecs before. Like we should pick on like. Okay, well they shouldn't have been been murdering people and sacrificing but there's, like, virgins and shit. Everybody else was doing the exact same stuff though. Okay, come on. Now. That's the whole like everybody's doing a mom argument. I'm just I mean. saying we should also pick on those people. <laughs> yes, all right. We should pick Everyone on was people. equally bad or some people were slightly more bad. <laughs> Looking yes. at you colonizers, but <laughs> <laughs> Yes, indeed. All right. So, before I tell you what happened in the case, I did want to discuss one of the songs that came up a lot. This is not the only one, and there's several that they pulled out that specifically mentioned like cutting and blood and virgin sacrifices. But this is one that was in multiple articles about, this is about the necrophilia. And it's from a Slayer song called 213, which I learned is actually uh, named after Jeffrey Dahmer's apartment number. So I feel like some of these Slayer songs are like fan fiction for actual things that happened, which is like kind of more artistic and less creepy, but also still as creepy. Yeah. I mean, it's it's we have a true crime podcast, so we're not like in a position to be judging people's Jeffrey Dahmer fan fiction, um, which yes. I would probably look at. Just, <laughs> I'm not like into it. I'm just saying I would be like, really, this exists. Right. Um, so people yeah. are gonna send it to me now. I have we have an email. <laughs> so these are the lyrics that people point to. The lyrics state: "Erotic sensations tingle my spine. A dead body lying next to mine. Smooth blue black lips." I start salivating as we kiss. Mine forever, this sweet death. I cannot forget your soft breaths. 
panting excitedly with my hands around your neck. It's not the, the most lyrical song. But yeah. also, that is clearly, he's like strangled this person, and then he's like having sex with their dead body. Yeah. So that is kind of, I can see why they were like, what the hell? Like, yeah, That's gruesome. Yeah, yeah, because of all the, the corpse violating that happened. Yeah. Considering the fact that the teens did strangle Elise as part of the attack, not just the strangling, but as part, and then had sex with her dead body, it does sort of throw up a lot of red flags when you hear the song. Yeah. Um, in his Washington Post interview, Del Shemut is quoted as saying about Slayer's music, quote, it was harmless at first. We used to smoke weed, play guitar, kick it, dot, dot, dot. I was just into heavy metal music. And he went on to say, it gets inside your head. It's almost embarrassing that I was so influenced by the music. The music started to influence the way I looked at things. Um, so again, if you notice, he goes back and forth a lot on whose fault it was. Was it a Satan thing? Was it Slayer? Or was it not? Uh, this was at one of the times when he was arguing that it was uh, Slayer. A judge eventually ruled in 2001 that Slayer's music is protected as free speech, surprise, and didn't directly instruct kids to commit murders. Um, he stated that while offensive, the music isn't harmful to children. And I definitely understand the judge's ruling. These songs, the lyrics that I saw are pretty terrible. Um, I would not listen to them, but they are art. And again, maybe not that they're fantasizing about these things, but that they're interpreting these horrible things that are actually in the world. And I, I think that some people like to push the edge. And I guess maybe the people of Slayer just want to push boundaries. And this is how they did it. And then it turned into this terribleness that these three extremely troubled people decided to use their art for bad things. Indeed. Um, but, fun fact, the lawsuit isn't the only influence Elise's case had on pop culture. Allegedly, her murder inspired the movie Jennifer's Body. Oh, wow. That's cool. After I explain the plot... I think you'll understand how it inspired it. Okay. Because the plot of the movie has Jennifer Check being sacrificed by an up-and-coming band called Low Shoulder. However, she is not a virgin as they intended. And so she becomes possessed by a demon, which turns her into a succubus. Okay, then. Yeah, so apparently if you're not a virgin, like, the sacrifice doesn't go all the way through. You just become a demon. Okay, so she lures men in with her sexiness, and then she murders them. Jesus. That's the plot of the movie. Okay. Now, I feel like, honestly, that part could have been a really good plan. That plot is, it has some legs. But she has a best friend who's different from her, who's named Needy. And <laughs> this girl oh. is like the good girl of the story. And she ends up killing Jennifer eventually because she knows she's a devil, a demon or whatever. And then she, like, sort of gets partially possessed by Jennifer's demon at the end. But, like, Jennifer's mom catches her killing her. So, Needy goes to an insane asylum and she's all crazy. I personally did not enjoy this movie. I watched it when it came out, I'm pretty sure. I can't remember. I watched it on DVD, though, so maybe not. But I watched it a long time ago is what I should say. Forever ago, I watched this movie. And I just didn't enjoy it. It's not, it's supposed to be funny and scary. It's not really either. But also, I just, I didn't resonate with the characters. But I do know from researching this particular case that the movie became kind of a big deal during the Me Too movement as like a feminist horror movie. And I can almost see why. Because I feel like the idea of, a, of an attractive teen being targeted for her sexuality and then using that sexuality as like a weapon to kill men, that is a badass idea. I feel like where the feminist message falls apart for me a little bit is that we have, like, the good girl come in and attack her. Mm. Although, technically, the good girl does become damaged from attacking the other woman. So, like, maybe that's part of the feminist message. Women shouldn't attack women and we should support each other. Yeah. But I don't really know if that, like, totally works for me for that particular movie. In the years after Elise's murder... Friends and family members created a shrine under the eucalyptus grove where her body lay for eight months. There, a wooden cross nailed to a tree marked her resting place, along with photos of her, flowers, and a prayer. The family was supposed to receive money from the trio of killers. However, a newspaper article from 2017 says they never did. California's Victim Compensation Board paid them $34,871 to pay for her funeral and therapy. 
But her father also wanted to get additional money because he did not work from 1996 to 1998 because of his mental health trauma. Yeah. And he actually wrote in his claims, quote, For many months, we suffered through the nightmare of not knowing what happened to her. When her body was finally discovered, I learned that she had been barbarically murdered and I was consumed with grief. Although they received prison sentences ranging from 25 years to life, it did little to ease the horror of what they'd done. The pain of losing my daughter and knowing she suffered will never leave me. Royce Casey actually went up for parole for the first time in 2016, which seems like not a lot of time because they said 25 slash 26 years to life. That's what, like 20 years? And that's, yeah, like, yeah, it is 20 years. So he went up for parole. He was denied. And he'll be up again on March 17th, 2021, which is literally about a week after the episode comes out. So it's possible this man could be getting out of jail this year. In prison, he joined an art program that aims to teach prisoners empathy. And this really stuck to me because I feel like it's evidence of why he should not be out. Because he claims that the empathy program worked for him. But a quote that he actually said to this newspaper makes me question him even more. He told the San Diego Tribune, quote, The person whose life I took loved art. I'm able to see what I took away from someone, unquote. Really? That's, um, That's empathy? Like, are you serious? I feel like he's had all this time to think of something nice to say. And that is his explanation that he got? Yeah, that, that... That smells wrong. I feel like Like, it's mm -hmm, a really bad attempt at cognitive empathy is what it sounds like to me. Like he's trying to think it through like, yes, I relate to her, but that's not what. Yeah, totally. I feel like this highlights his lack of empathy more than anything. And I will tell you that the interview took place right before his parole hearing the first time. And I don't think they would have let him out anyway because of what happened. But if I read that, I would be like, oh, no. (laughs) No, he does not know how to be a human. Yeah. Y'all need to stop trying to be people if you can't do it. I'm not, I mean, we talked about this a couple of times. If you know that you're not, (laughs) that you're not having the right feelings as everybody else, like maybe don't try to articulate what's going on in there because we're going to know, like we're going to know that you have problems. Yeah. Meanwhile, Joseph Fiorella has a parole hearing also scheduled for this year on July 7th, 2021. And it looks like Jacob Delashmut went up for parole in December 2017. I could not find any other information about him. And I believe he is still in prison, but there is less information available about him. So I don't know if he like changed his name or if he's just really quiet in there or if someone like murdered him. I don't know. I don't know. Hopefully he's not out, out of prison because it doesn't sound like they're they're really able to be rehabilitated and mm-hmm. integrated back into society. Like, you know? I get it that they were teens and blah, blah, blah. Okay, I know. We're supposed to be rehabilitating, but be, they, like, raped. They did all the murder. Like, they, they, they strangled her. They stabbed her. They stomped on her neck. They raped her multiple times as a dead body. They left it out there for all this time. Like, they would have not even gotten caught, probably, if Royce hadn't gone to church that one time. <laughs> you're, you're probably right about that. I mean, I'd, I'd like to think they would have gotten caught eventually. But, I mean, honestly, with Unsolved Mysteries Cops, you never know mm-hmm. what's going down. But, I mean, it's clear that, like, rehabilitation would have been a long road and a long shot in any case. But, I mean... I don't know, man. Like, they're probably fortunate that they were underage because, I mean, they probably would have gotten death sentence if, if they'd been if they'd Yeah, been I mean, I'm not, like, rooting for death sentences. Like, I'm not but... either. I mean, I'm just pointing out that, like, an adult who did that crime is yeah. probably going to death Oh, row. my God. I don't even want to imagine what would have happened if it took place in Texas. Yeah. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, I know. Like, I feel like everyone... That's why, like, when you watch that murder show on Netflix where the people admit to killing people... What was it? I'm a killer or whatever. Yeah, I'm a killer. They're like, so many of those are in Texas. Like, we're back in Texas again. We have a problem here. Like, Aaron and I are not directly a part of the problem. But, I mean, as a state in general, uh, there's a situation. Yeah. It's a it's a culture. Yep. <laughs> we're a little bit a part of it. Because, like, just being honest, there's a case here. I forget who the people are. But there was a case not too long ago where a father caught 
um, guy molesting his child. Like the chi- guy was actively molesting a small child, and the father beat him to death. And like being honest, I was just all like, "Good, they should just let him go home." And that's kind of part of our culture here. He did get to go home. He he was very distraught over it. Like the dad was not feeling excited about the fact that he beat that dude to death. But um, yeah, that's kind of like how we're all taught, <laughs> which is not the best in terms of like you know, retributions and whatnot. I feel like in general, I'm like a pretty empathetic, forgiving person. But at the same time, like, it's hard when it's kids. And I feel like it's important to remember that Elise was a kid. She wasn't as little as like a six-year-old, but she was 15. That's very young. She wasn't even old enough to drive yet. Nope. And it's just disgusting what happened to her. Yeah. For at least a while. Well, this case was obviously a bit disturbing, but I hope that you got something from it. And I'm not sure what that is, but that's up for you to decide. Hopefully not what these guys got from Slayer. Um, That wasn't supposed to be it, but yeah, yeah, good stuff. Like understanding or knowledge that you should not read too much into song lyrics would be a start. Yes, it would. Uh, maybe go watch Jennifer's Body and let us know what you think of it. I'm going to try to make Aaron watch it soon because um, I don't think he's seen it. Nope. And then maybe I'll like it more now um, in, in 2021. There you go. If you want to hear more cases like this one, we have a Patreon at Bad Axe Pod. Also, please subscribe to Bad Axe wherever you listen and consider leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We are on social media at Bad Axe Pod with Instagram being our main jam. You can also find our website at badaxpod.com and can email us your feedback and suggestions at badaxpod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. Have an amazing weekend and come back next week for a new episode. Bye-bye. Bye.